Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. All right. When you read the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, you know, the many sayings of Jesus, they're quite remarkable, aren't they? It's powerful. For example, in Matthew 24, he said in verse 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. To the disciples, he once commanded in Luke 5, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And after they reluctantly obeyed, Peter and the other uh, men who were with him, they were shocked at the amount of fish that they caught that day. Jesus once told a man named Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you must be born again. He told a paralyzed man in Luke 5, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And you know, because Jesus offered such genuine hope, people followed him in large numbers wherever he went. And for years, they had heard, uh, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees interpret the law. But it had really, being truthful, it had become burdensome. It had become demeaning. It had become a kind of a, a cross that they were having to bear. But Jesus comes on the scene. Hallelujah. And he ministers with compassion to weary people, to warn people, to sick people. It was inspiring to hear and to see that God really did care for them. Jesus spoke about the joy of heaven. Jesus spoke about how when one sinner repents, the angels rejoice. Amen? Jesus said that he had come to seek and to save the lost. No one, Jesus taught, needed to be rejected. No one needed to be condemned. No wonder Jesus was such a breath of fresh air when he arrived on the scene. And then in one of his greatest statements found in all of the Bible, he tells us the reason that he came. It's probably the most well-known verse in all the Scripture. Matter of fact, it's so well-known, I want to read it in the most well-known version of the Bible, the King James Version. You can read it along with me or even quote it out loud if you're ready, if you'd like. Are you ready? Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why don't we just thank God for that right now? (laughs) Woo, hallelujah. I tried to get some guys to take their shirts off and paint John 3.16 on their chest, but nobody would do it. Amen. Not really. Amen. But you know, God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. And he wants us to believe in him and he wants us to be set free. And I want to preach on this subject here today. Love as God loved. Love as God loved. You know, according to John chapter 3 and verse 16, who does God love? He loves everybody. Amen. The scripture said the the world, and it's an inclusive term that means all of mankind, the entire human race. Every human soul is a particular treasure to God, and he values every person without exception. You know, even though man, we have lived in sinful rebellion against the Lord for thousands of years, the Lord still loves us. Hallelujah. And he still loves us with an indescribable love. 
Who does God love? You know, he doesn't just love the good people, as we might describe, you know, some of the people that we admire. But he loves everyone. Even the people that, that struggle, even the people that have failed, even the people that deal with temptation. He reaches down for the fallen. He reaches down for the downcast. He reaches to the destitute. God's love is for everyone. Not just those that are striving to be righteous, but also for all who have sinned. And by the way, the Bible says that includes every one of us in this room. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. All have sinned. Everybody say all. You know what that means in the Greek? Everybody. Not really. All. Everyone. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God, his light shines the brightest in dark situations. Peace always seems a little bit better in the middle of a storm, doesn't it? Amen. Faith is always just a little more evident when we're surrounded by doubt. And his love is most astonishing and astounding when we are surrounded by hate and darkness. Here's how Isaiah described it in chapter 64 and verse 6. He said, we're all infected and impure with sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're infected. Come on. We're all infected, he said. When we display our righteous deeds, guess what they are? Nothing but filthy rags. By the way, when you read that verse, if you look at the context, he's actually referring to used menstrual cloths. Filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fail, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. That's what sin does to all of us. We're infected. We're impure. And when we do try to live righteous, those deeds are just filthy rags. But you know what? He still loves us, the best of us and the worst of us. And you know, without Jesus the scripture, Isaiah told us, he said, we just wither and fall. The sin just sweeps us away like the wind. And you know, really, that's what the church is all about. That's really what all we are. We're just baptized believers who have found out that sin will leave you empty, but Jesus will give you the abundant life. Amen? Thank God for it. And I want to tell somebody here today or somebody that might be watching this message online, the transforming love of Jesus Christ has the power to set every captive free. Hallelujah. He can heal wounded spirits. He can bring broken homes back together. Amen. He can deliver alcoholics and drug addicts from their bondage. Come on. There's no problem too big that my God cannot solve. Amen. It can give a person faith to live in a successful place now, but also hope for a joyous journey for the rest of our lives. I'm so thankful for the love of God. Amen. I'm so thankful for his love. How much does he really love us? The story of Jesus tells us that God loved us enough to become like one of us. Amen. God came to us as his son to be like us. What a break, breathtaking thought when you think of it. It was as if we were drifting in a storm without any hope of rescue. And all of a sudden, he comes on the scene. Our self-effort was useless. The law had already proven itself to be inadequate. Amen. That's why they were in the place that they were in. And there was no way out, but God came. 
John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then look what verse 14 said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. God sent his son. Who would have thought that was possible? Who would have dreamed that the Almighty would make his appearance in an obscure manger in a little known town of Bethlehem? Who would have thought that he would come in human flesh at all? But he did. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 says, For God, who said, Let there be light and darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know what? The glory of God that is seen where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God's glory is seen in Jesus. God came into this world as human flesh. When the Virgin Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to us. Even though he knew that many were going to reject him, God's gift wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But see, God didn't just give him to us so he could live and work a few miracles, which he did. God didn't just give him to us so that he could perform a few miracles and upset the religious apple cart, even though he did. But God gave him to us so he could die. And purchase our eternal life. You know, as bad as Calvary was, as ugly as the cross, the story of the cross was, hear me, it was not a mistake. See, a lot of people wonder, they think, well, they killed Jesus. They, they took his life. That's not true. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10, 18. It was God's design. Come on. It was his design that the Son of God would lay down his life for us. Look what Jesus said. No one can take my life from me. In other words, don't feel sorry for me. Look what he said. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Hallelujah. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. And then he said, this is what my Father has commanded. Jesus said, you don't have to feel sorry for me. I'm doing this by choice. Jesus was not an unwilling victim. He was a willing Savior. Hallelujah. The ultimate price was paid for our sins, and God's gift is free for whoever will receive his atoning work of grace in their lives. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. In other words, you can't buy it. But he said, from the empty way of life that was handed down to you from your ancestors. But it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, that's why Jesus came. Jesus' blood possessed unequaled purchasing power when it came to our salvation. He was the lamb that was without blemish or without defect. Paul wrote to the Colossians and he said this. He said, it's peace that we obtain through his blood shed on the cross. Acts chapter 20 verse 28 says that God purchased the church with his own blood. That's what it said. That's how much he loved us. Without reservation. God's love. 
Just like a mighty river runs far deeper and far wider than any human love. It reaches out beyond the love of family or friends to touch the most distant person, the most distant neighbor, the the most helpless stranger. The love of God goes beyond the expected. It crosses borders. It bypasses barriers. Amen. The apostle Paul, who was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, an enemy of the Lord. I love what he penned in Romans 5 and 8. He said, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners. Come on, Christ died for us. Come on, you don't got to, my old pastor used to say it this way, you don't got to get God to get good. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. You don't have to get good to get God. You get God to get good. In other words, he, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Now, why does God love us so much? Well, first of all, he created us. Amen. Mankind was the Lord's ultimate work of creation. We are the Almighty's masterpiece, the finest of all the things that is fashioned in the universe. Any parent understands the love that they have for a child. You know why? Because there's creative magic and mystery and, and divine's good, God's divine goodness. When you have a child, part of you, you have extended God's creative work through your own bodies into the life of your children. And you love them immediately, automatically. You love them before they're even born. My daughter Lauren is going, she has her, she's going through her first pregnancy right now. And she calls us and texts us updates and pictures like, my baby today is the size of an orange. Baby's the size of a cantaloupe. I felt the baby move. I can feel it. And we just love getting these updates. And you know what? Her and Evan are already madly in love with a child that has not yet even been born. And that's how God loved us. Genesis 1.27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. By the way, let me just throw this out here. This is the word of God. I don't want to be divisive, and you always got to speak the truth in love. Hear me. It goes all the way back to Genesis. God created two genders, male and female. He created them. Come on, we we can't let the world confuse us. Come on, we can't let the enemy confuse us. It's all a part of his master plan to destroy the family. Come on, God created us the way he created us. Can little get a little help in the house, amen. Amen. Male and female, scripture says he created them. See, all the way back in the beginning, perfect harmony existed between man and God. The Lord had blessed Adam and Eve, and he had given them dominion over everything around them. You know the story. But sin enters the picture, right? It shatters the relationship that they had, that intimacy that they had with God. And now sin begins to exert itself in the world. And with sin comes sorrow and sickness, even death. But this is not what God had planned for us. This is not the way God designed it for us. The plan and purpose of God is found, and believe it or not, it's found in John 3, 15. Right? We, we, we all know John 3.16. But look what John 3.15 says. It tells us what the plan of God was. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. You want God's plan in one sentence. There it is. Eternal life. Abundant life. And God's love made a way for us to do just that. You know what I love about the love of God? There's no racial social or economic barriers with the Almighty. 
Come on, amen. The Lord has made a way for us all. Jesus told his disciples in John 14 that he was going away to prepare a place for them. And he told Thomas, he said, I am the way and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Folks, hear me. Don't forget this. He is the only access to God. He is the only door that opens up to heaven. Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way. He is the way, the truth, the life. Amen. See, I could end this message right now, and we could all just celebrate the fact that God loved us enough to die for us, and now we're saved. Amen. We could all rejoice and thank Him for Calvary, and I think that would be appropriate and wonderful. Matter of fact, I think we ought to just do that right now. Why don't we take a 15-second praise break? Come on and thank Him for what He's done. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal, abundant, blessed, anointed, favored life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we can just end it right there. Amen. I'm 20 minutes in. That's enough. But guess what? (laughs) I feel like. I'm also supposed to share one other little nugget about this verse. Not only what the the Lord did for us, but what his love is supposed to do in us and through us. See, we who have received so much love, we are to love as God loved. Hallelujah. Hear the words of Jesus again, this time from John 15 and verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Man, there's a lot to unpack in that verse. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends because everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. Jesus said, look, I brought you into the circle. You're not one of the servants that's on the outside wall with your ear to the door going, what are they talking about? He said, no, you're in my circle. I've brought you in. You're one of my friends. And then he said in verse 16, he said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Why? So that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Hallelujah. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then he said it again, verse 17, kind of the bookends of this little passage. This is my command, love each other. Verse 12, he said, love each other as I've loved you. Amen. God wants the world to know, the saved and the unsaved, that he loves them. Verse 16, he said, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Hear me. I don't care how successful you are in this life. I don't care how much money you earn, how how big your portfolio is, how quick you get to retire. I don't care about any of those things that the world thinks measure success. The Bible says there's only one thing that's going to be eternal fruit. And that's the lives that you impact for Jesus. That might be your family, that might be your children, that might be your spouse, that might be the people you work with. That's the eternal, everlasting fruit that comes from our love. And you know what Jesus wants us to do? He wants us to try to emulate his love. You might say, well, man, pastor, that's a tall order. Yes, it is. But that doesn't mean that we don't try. His love was an open affection. 
It was a sacrificial love. Jesus Christ, who was the highest expression of God's love, he demonstrated a greater compassion for people than man had ever known before. Jesus taught us that as his followers, we should be marked not by the amount of money that we give. Come on, not by how many churches we build in Ghana or by how many orphans we feed in the Philippines. Jesus said, none of those, those things are great. He said, I'm not going to measure you by how many life groups you sign up for or how many dream teams you serve on. Jesus said, here it is. Here's my mark, verse John 13 and 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. And if you've got a real Bible, circle it. If you've got an app, highlight it. If you have love for one another. See, that's what sets us apart. That's what should set us apart. Romans 5 and 5 says that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Did you, did you, God's love in us through the Holy Spirit, not just me. You know what the Holy Spirit does? It doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Hallelujah. Come on. It doesn't make me better than somebody on the street. It makes me a better version of myself. Come on, the Holy Ghost is what makes me be able to love people. Why? It's the love of God being shed abroad. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, it's what allows me to love people that I normally would not be able to like, much less love. Hallelujah. Can somebody keep it real? Amen. Luke 10 tells a story of how far-reaching our love should be in the account of the man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. I won't take the time to read it. But he was beaten and he was robbed by thieves. Thieves stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they left him in the road half dead. But you know what's interesting about the story? The guy who got beat up was not really the focus of the story. The real focus of the story, the lesson Jesus wanted us to learn, was the response of the three people that passed by this person who was in need. Here comes person number one, a priest, right? You know what the Bible says? Man, he just kept right on going. My boy didn't even slow down. He just, nope, not me, not my problem. And then the Bible says a Levite came. And the Bible literally says he stopped long enough to take a look. And he kept going. And then the scripture points out the Samaritan. By the way, the Samaritan was the one that was hated by the Jews the most. And the Samaritan stopped and showed compassion on this man who had been beaten and allowed him used his own resources to allow this man time to recuperate and to heal. Compassion. He was the one who showed compassion. And folks, I've got to ask you, the body of Christ, what kind of example are we setting for the world? Every parent knows that children learn by what they observe. Can all the parents say amen? amen. They don't do what you say. They do what they see. <laughs> right? Every parent knows that children learn by what they observe. Children can recognize the love that parents have for each other or maybe the love that they don't have, right? They learn from words and the affections that they see in their house between a father and a mother or maybe between parents and their children. And it's a powerful effect. I get tickled when my grandkids come over because I see Ava doing stuff and it's just like Lindsay used to do. I hear Mason say stuff, and I'm like, I've heard Lindsay, and I've heard Xavier say that before. And it's so funny because kids learn what they see. 
These everyday lessons in life, you might think, man, it's just simple, it's inconsequential, but they become imprinted on the minds and hearts of the children, and they show up in every area of their life. So here's what I want to ask. In the body of Christ, the church called out believers. What are we doing as a body of Christ to be a place where we learn to love each other? And we show the rest of the world how it is to be done. Come on, I'm telling you, I think the church ought to be leading the way. I think the church ought to be leading the way. Paul spoke beautifully on this matter of love in his first letter to the Corinthians. He described love as being greater than all the spiritual gifts. He said love's better than any offering. He said love is superior to your greatest sacrifice. Love is a higher and holier virtue than even faith or hope. Love is the finest attribute that a Christian can possess. Here's what Paul said about it in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm just noise. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And then I love the description of love. Are you ready? Are you ready for it to hear the bar raised now? You know what love is? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Amen. We can stop right now, right? I got a lot to work on. Oh, but he, verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, do you realize how, fall, how, how much you're falling short, right? Verse 6, it does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And then verse 8, he said, love never fails. Love never fails. Love should be our chiefest pursuit. It should be our grand objective. The educated of the world, you know what they do? They share their knowledge. The well-to-do sometimes share their wealth. How much more, though, should the body of Christ, we who have been saved by the riches of God's glory, we who have tasted the goodness of God's grace, how much more should we share and show His love, even with those who seem to be hateful or unlovable? Have anybody, have you run into any hateful people lately? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Folks, they are everywhere. Amen. We live in a culture right now that tests our love. It tests our patience and the ability to be Christ-like with those who do not share our values or our morals. It takes an abundance of God's love sometimes for us just to care for those who don't respond in kind. Are there any real people that would say amen to that? Amen. Come on, it takes the compassion of Jesus Christ to deal with unlovable people. Yes. But here's what you need to remember. Most people that you encounter that are nasty or hateful are usually acting that way out of their own unhappiness. They may be lashing out from their own brokenness. Amen. And can I just tell you, such, except for the grace of God, there goes you and there goes me. Amen? Come on, it doesn't excuse it, 
but maybe it'll help explain it. But the Lord sees what's going on 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 the inside. Many of those broken people, did you know they have a desire for God in their hearts? But it's hidden below their hurts. It's buried beneath their frustrations. It's smothered by the religious lies that they've been told. It's being squeezed out by a culture that does not want God to be at the center of people's lives. Come on. We're surrounded by a lot of people. I'm going to tell you, not all of them are bad people. They just haven't met the God of John 3.16 yet. Amen. We're to love them. We're to show them that as Isaiah told Israel many years ago, the Messiah has come to give them beauty for ashes. Hallelujah. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. Come on, church. I got to ask you. We got to take the love of John 3.16 and show it to the rest of the world. Amen. Well, pastor, that's great, but what am I supposed to do with this message this week? And by the way, every time you come to church or you watch a sermon, you need to ask God, God, what do you want me to do with that in my life right now? Here's what you got to do this week. Are you ready? Love is God loved. That's good. Amen. I want the praise team and the musicians to come on up. John 3.16 is probably the most frequently quoted and best loved verse in the Bible. You know why? This verse gives hope to the sinner and it gives an assurance to every child of God. And the desire to save us, it's demonstrated in what God did for us when he sent his son to die for us. His will is to win back all the ungodly people to himself. Come on, the promise of John 3.16 is that God has provided a means for every person to obtain eternal life. One way to love as God loved is to follow the example of Jesus every day. Follow his example. And you know what his example was? Jesus didn't always define God's love with words. He didn't always just preach sermons to them, right? He wasn't always teaching on the side of a mountain or out of the bow of a boat. Sometimes he just lived it out before the people every day. Come on, you could hear it in his voice when he taught in the synagogue. You could see it when he stood on the seashore. You could watch him at the foot of the mount. You could see it in his actions when he raised a young man back to life. Come on, you could see it when he touched blinded eyes and they were open. You could see it when he said, suffer the little children and let them come to me. Jesus loved them. He showed them his love. You could see it all around him. You could see it when he had dinner with the despised tax collector. Everybody else was hating on the tax collector. Jesus said, come on, let's have some dinner, man. Let me talk to you for a while. See, the Lord left an incredibly high standard for all of us to follow. Amen. Ultimately, his love led our Savior to Pilate's judgment hall and to the death, his death on the cross. And folks, we're not to measure ourselves by ourselves. But we're to measure ourselves by him. Amen. Jesus' love is the benchmark by which we should gauge our love. The Lord has forgiven those that some thought were unforgivable. He touches those that many think are untouchable. He's loved those that many thought were unlovable. Amen. And likewise, we should follow his example and love the way that God loved. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8 says it this way. Oh, nothing 
to anyone. What? Except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirement of God's law. So how do we do this? How do we love as God loved? He loved unconditionally. He went to where people were, not where they should be. I think we need to remember that. Come on. He went to where they were, not to where they should be. People need to be loved where they are, not where they should be. He loved sacrificially. The Bible says greater love had no man than what he did. He gave his life. And I don't think the Lord is going to require that out of us. I hope he doesn't. But you know what? What is he asking of you and I? Is it a sacrifice of time? Is it a sacrifice of finances? Maybe it's a sacrifice of pride. Maybe he's asking you to love somebody that you think does not deserve another chance. But he's asking you to love them anyway. I say, man, that's a big, well, how many times does he love us? How many times has he forgiven us? Can I just, please don't be one of those people that say, well, I love people in my heart. Come on, that's like saying, I thank people with my heart. God, I'm just telling you right now, if you don't open up your mouth and say thank you to me, or give me a thank you note or something, you can thank me in your heart all you want. Love has got to be what? Expressed. You got to express the love of Jesus. Don't just walk around saying, in your mind, I'm just loving people with my heart right now. Amen. You got to express love. Again, what did Jesus say? John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. You know how he loves you? He loves you when you're having a bad day. He loves you when you're having a snotty attitude. He loves you when you haven't prayed for weeks or you haven't read the Bible in months. Come on. He loves you when church is like number seven on your list of priorities. He loves you when you've been acting like a hellion for weeks. He still loves you. He still loves you. You know what he wants us to do? Look for practical ways to show you are a disciple every day. Come on, I'm trying to break it down just as plain as I know how to say. Look for practical ways. How do you do it? Be a source of encouragement to somebody. Be a positive affirmation. Bear someone's burden. There's so many ways you can do that. Be concerned and verbally aware if somebody is sick or someone in their family is sick. Participate in life's highs and lows with other people. Take time to assist somebody in need. Help somebody with their groceries or loading their car. I can't tell you how many times, it's just a simple thing, how many times I've just been so blessed, and they don't always take me up on it. But when I see an old person, by the way, I ain't old yet, amen. I'm looking right at the camera, hallelujah. When I've seen somebody struggling with their grocery cart, just to offer to help push their groceries to the car. Now, nowadays, they might be afraid you're fixing to steal their groceries. They might say no, right? But just be practical with the love of Jesus. Show somebody the love of Jesus. Call on those who are hurting or somebody that God puts on your mind. Let's love as God loved. Obey that still small voice that you're going to hear this week.
What's it going to look like? I don't know. Do whatever you need to. He might tell you to give the server at the restaurant a generous tip. Amen. By the way, if you don't tip when you go to the restaurant, please tell them you're an atheist, not a member of Life Church. Amen. <laughs> Smile at people. How hard is that? I know it's hard for some of y'all because some of y'all, I've been your pastor for a decade and I still ain't seen you smile. <laughs> Amen. Just show the love of Jesus. Why don't you stand with me right now? This, this illustration is not in my notes, but the Lord kind of prompted me to share this in the first service, so I'm going to share it again. Just a practical example, okay? And I'm not patting myself on my back when I share this story. I'm just giving you a real-life example, and I know me better than I know anybody else. A couple of years ago, when we were going through, well, right after COVID, you remember we had a lot of racial stuff going on in this country. And I went to the car wash, and I go to that car wash right up here on 301, where you can take your car as many times as you want. Thank God, amen, because my car is always dirty. And I pulled in the car wash, and it was pretty crowded, and I slid up in my slot after I went through the wash, and then you can drive around, and then you can vacuum out your car. And they got stuff, you can clean your rims or whatever. So I pulled in right next to this really nice, big SUV, and I started to clean my car, and I saw an elderly gentleman standing there, moving real slow, wiping off his car. And he had a hat on that said Vietnam Vet. And so I felt the Lord in one of those little moments where he speaks to me. I felt, I heard him say, I want you to clean that man's rims and clean his windows. And can I just be honest with you? I mean, I was pretty busy that day. And I just thought, but you know, I've learned to recognize that voice. He said, just clean that man's windows and clean the rims. So I walked up to this gentleman, and he was, he was an older guy, and he had his hat on. He was moving real slow. And like I said, I'm, it was during that time when we had all this racial tension. He happened to be a black gentleman, an older black gentleman. And I said, sir, first of all, I want to thank you for your service. I noticed that you're a veteran. Thank you for serving our country. And he was like, well, thank you. And I said, I know this might sound odd. I said, but I just want to bless you today. I want to wipe down your rims. I want to clean your tires. I want to wipe your windows off before you leave. And can I just be honest with you? It got real uncomfortable. He just looked at me for a minute. And I started thinking, what in the world? <laughs> but, and then he finally said, are you serious? I said, yes, sir. He said, why would you do that for me? I said, I just want to bless you. I, di I didn't say, because the Lord told me to. Hallelujah. Amen. He might, he might not have let me do it if I did that. But he, he was shocked. Mouth open. So finally, I said, so can I do it? <laughs> Come on here. So I went and I got the stuff, and, the, and I started cleaning the rims. And I'm making my, boy, them things were shining, bro. I'm telling you. I, was, I made my way around. I made it to tire number four. Then I started cleaning the windows and I started, and then I was I couldn't I didn't know where he was couldn't find it so finally I made it around to the back back to back of the big SUV and I looked and there he was he was leaning on the window like this the back window and I thought something was wrong I said sir are you okay and he looked up and tears were just running down his face I mean he was crying like a baby 
he couldn't even hardly speak. He said, I said, are you okay? He said, young man, you have no idea what you have done for me today. Now, can I just tell you, people don't cry because you're cleaning their ribs. So there was something going on or something that that man needed to have. I don't know. Maybe he just needed a white guy to show him some love. I don't know. Because I hadn't walked in that man's shoes. But in that moment, that day, I just said, Lord, I'm just going to love the way you would love. I gave him a church card. I said, can we pray together? We joined hands. Man, there was dozens of people around us. People looking. I didn't care. And man, we just prayed. And he cried. And he hugged my neck. And he got back in that car. And I, I don't think I've ever seen him again. But you know what? One little moment. I don't think it changed his life. But it changed his day. And he knows that a Christian pastor down the road loved him enough to clean the mud off of his tires. So here's what my challenge is to you as we wrap this message up. We already know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But here's the part that you have to do. Love each other. What's that going to look like? I don't know because I don't know where you work. I don't know who your family is. I don't know who God's been talking to you about, but you do, or you will. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. We're going to get ready to open this altar. I want you to say, God, I'm ready to listen for that still, small voice. Doesn't matter how simple it is. Doesn't matter how silly it may be. God, I want to be your hands and feet. I want to love somebody. I want to love the mean people, the hateful people, the hurt people, the confused people. I just want to be your hands and your feet and love the way you loved. So right now, I'm getting ready to open this altar. Two things. If you have not let John 3.16 be a part of your, your life, if you've never repented of your sins and invited Christ to begin to work in your life, I want to invite you to come right on up and begin that journey today. Amen. Ask Him into your life. Ask Him to change your life. Repent. The Bible says that when a sinner repents, angels rejoice. So don't you tell me repentance is not a significant step, amen? You step out and you repent and say, God, I'm ready to begin. But for the rest of you who've already done that, I want to challenge you to step out from where you are and say, as I begin this summer, God, I want to step out and I want to raise my hands and God, I want you to know I'm willing to be your hands and I'm willing to be your feet. I want you to speak to me, if not this week, some, God, I just want to show the love of Jesus to the people that are around me. Would you come? Praise team's going to begin to sing. I want you to come and just ask God, Lord, help me to love as you love. Show us your glory. Show me to love as you love. Show us your glory. Help me to love people that I work with. wonder and surrender Help me to love people that I work Help me to love people that work Show us your glory. Show us your glory.
wherever you have planted us, help me to grow where I'm planted. Help me to produce fruit, eternal fruit, everlasting fruit, fruit that matters. And Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. Let's praise them together. Can you do it? Can you open your mouth and raise your hands and give them a praise? Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.